Production support comes from Smithville, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922 with residential and business internet, phone, and security services. Smithville, local pride, global technology. Information at smithville.net. Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, editor of the Herald Times in Bloomington, along with my co-host, Mary Catherine Carmichael. <laughs> Today, we're going to talk about school calendars uh, with uh, three guests. David Schaefer is with us. David's been with us many times before. We're happy to have him back. He is the Brown County School Superintendent. Terry Spradlin will be joining us in a few minutes. He is a researcher at the IU Center for Evaluation and Education Policy. He's written and spoken about the, the topic of a balanced school calendar several times. Uh, and Becky Bechtel is with us. She's the leader of a statewide group called Save Indiana Summers that is lobbying against the shift towards year-round schools in the balanced calendar school year. She's uh, joining us by phone. If you have questions or comments, please phone us at 855-0811 in Bloomington or 877-285-9348 outside of the Bloomington calling area. The uh, web address, wfiu.org slash noon edition if you want to join a live chat. And you can follow us on Twitter at noon edition. So, David, thanks for being here. Thank you, Bob. Always good to have you back. And, Becky, you're joining us on the phone. Thank you for being with us. Thank you. Thank uh, you for inviting me. Absolutely. We're going to start with David because the uh, the Brown County Schools, uh, as well as Bartholomew County Schools, a little bit further to the east, have are, they've gone back to school. The, uh, those districts and several others in the state are trying out a balanced calendar system. And I'm going to let David talk about how you arrived at that uh, decision and how things are going so far. Thanks, Bob. We uh, started on Monday, August 6th. And... Uh, we had, uh, with our school board, probably about a five-month conversation with the people in our community about uh, what they thought of the concept of balanced calendar versus traditional calendar. Uh, not surprisingly, at the end of that time, uh, as well as from a survey that we ran, uh, very divided opinion, you know, I would say slightly in favor of traditional calendar at, you know, at 53 percent, something along those lines. Forty-seven percent or thereabouts uh, thought they wanted a, a, a balanced calendar. Bartholomew schools had adopted a, 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 what both of us call a hybrid balanced calendar. Um, I don't think it's probably as radical as some others have been. Uh, and we send about 60 kids over there for um, vocational school. And so that was a factor in the board's uh, uh, deliberation over the over the issue. Obviously, start of school, end of school for Brown County, snow days built in, uh, coordination with the vocational school, all are issues uh, that we um, talk about when we talk about calendar. Uh, we talked this time about knowledge lost over the summertime by some students in, in the conversation. I would say that we pretty quickly went away from that as a concept that was going to influence our calendar uh, because the conversation – uh, among our our public seem to generate around you know when is when is the start of school really going to be and uh, I think even with the people who favored balanced calendars they still wanted to have uh, at least six weeks or more of summer vacation and we kind of felt like uh, there's a watermark there maybe in four weeks or so about lost knowledge and so that 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 item kind of ended up being dismissed, I think, fairly early in the conversation. Mm -hmm. So how, how does it work exactly? How's, how's the calendar set up? You started August 6th. For us, we started this, this week. Um, we're going to go through first nine weeks until about the 5th of October, and then we're going to take a week of, of break. This is the first time we'll have had a week of fall break. We've t traditionally in Brown County had a day or two off in the fall starting with the second nine weeks and go until uh, Christmas vacation, which for us will be through um, the 21st of December, and that'll complete first semester. We believe pretty strongly that it is educationally sound to try to complete first semester before the Christmas break. We have had for a number of years now about a two-week Christmas break. That represents a change, I think, from what traditional people 
think about when they think about, boy, we want to fit a calendar in that, that falls between Labor Day and Memorial Day. And, uh, you know, factors that have been a part of that historically were when, when I was in school, we went, I think, about 165 days. We had one or two days off for spring break, and we had basically the week between Christmas and New Year's off as our Christmas holiday. That's ballooned into two, two weeks at Christmas time. We think most of our parents like that two-week break. Not all of them, but most of them do. Uh, certainly our teachers seem to like that. And then it's become, I think, kind of a, a very important uh, rite of passage here in Indiana to have a, a week at spring break. And, and so uh, Bartholomew uh, adopted a calendar that has two weeks break in the fall. We, we only took the one week off because uh, we wanted to build snow days into the calendar uh, through, through the year. Bartholomew solved that problem by having a two-week spring break with the second week being snow makeup days. We felt like that a lot of people would go ahead and plan spring vacations over those two weeks' time. We didn't use any snow days last year in Brown County, but over the previous umpteen years that I've been in Brown County, we've used anywhere from a half a dozen, five, six, seven, to I think most recently, the year before last, we used 10 snow days in, into the calendar. So building snow days into the calendar has been important to us, important to our Board of School Trustees, and I think important to the people in our, in our community because we don't feel like tacking snow days on at the end of the year works very well educationally. So we'll go until uh, that uh, December 21st and then start in again on the 7th of January, uh, take a spring break the, 20, the week of March 25th, and with snow days, uh, hope to complete the school year on or around the 29th of May. So we, we, we try to, to get the school year commit, uh, completed in the proximity of Memorial Day, and there certainly have been some years mm-hmm. when snow has required us to come back after Memorial Day. Okay. Well, let me ask uh, Becky, who's been patiently waiting on the phone, about oh. uh, about your uh, evaluation of, of David's schedule, the Brown County schedule. Well, honestly, David's schedule isn't as drastic as a lot of the school uh, schedules. As he was uh, speaking about Bartholomew County, the two-week spring break, I see that as a big problem for a lot of people. Um, our next-door neighbors, as an example, we are in the Indianapolis Public School District. My kids uh, are in parochial schools, but um, my next-door neighbors are scrambling in the fall and the spring to, oh my goodness, how are we going to take care of the kids? Who's going to take off when? And so on and so forth. Um, and it becomes very expensive for them. And I know IPS, uh, in their case, was hoping to have a lot of uh, enrichment built in, but a lot of that didn't come uh, to fruition. It wasn't funded. And I think that IPS thought a lot of teachers would want to make extra money by doing that. But no, the teachers want their breaks. And, and rightly, they, they deserve those breaks. So actually, his calendar is better than... Um, like I said, the Bartholomew calendar, which has the two-week breaks. I, I'm, I'm impressed that he's only taken a week in um, October and, and for spring. And, and as he said, he's building – or did you say a week or two, David? I'm not sure, on the spring. We said a, we said a week, Becky, and, and, and in that we obviously uh, are at variance with what a Bartholomew will do. Now, if they have to take that second week and make it up for snow, uh, you know, then – They'll match up pretty closely with where where we are. That does present a little bit of a hardship on our boys and girls who are in the vocational program. And as I said, for us, that's about 60 or so students. And and that was a consideration that our board really weighed pretty heavily as it uh, as it deliberated over what calendar we were we were going to um, to select. Right. Right, I can hear you. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it, wh- what our movement is all about, and it's been going on for. Oh, I've been involved in this five years. I started to get involved in this back in about 2000, let's say about 10 years ago. Um, I went to State Senator Teresa Levers at that time. She's now in higher education with, um, I think she's the head of higher education with mm-hmm. the Department of Education. 
but I went to her and I said, I'm really concerned because the school start date keeps moving up earlier and earlier and earlier. And I believe that that is because I-STEP is in the fall. Could we please get it moved to the spring? And I just said, it just seems like the neighboring districts are all trying to get a jump on one another uh, to prepare for I-STEP. And that is exactly what was happening here. It just kept moving up, up, up. So what do you know? Um, uh, Mitch Daniels comes in, and, and he's been great. And he moved uh, I Step to Spring, which we're forever grateful. And I think a lot of people thought the calendar would then uh, shift in, in response to that. But it didn't. If anything, we've gotten more districts going to the balanced calendar, and it's causing a lot of problems. Uh, there's no really good, there's no research that uh, supports that uh, kids retain more information or that they do better on test um, by going to the balanced calendar. It's very expensive for districts. It's very expensive for parents. Um, a teacher that um, might uh, take, you know, m- most teachers become teachers because they feel called to be a teacher. And um, they, in doing that, they give up a lot of income. So many teachers will supplement their income by uh, a seasonal uh, position of some sort in the summer. Well, if you go to the balanced calendar, you are lessening the time that they have to, su- su- uh, to support or supplement that income. And so that's one option, one problem. Uh, you've got kids that are college age who aren't going to be able to get seasonal work because the season is shortened. I, I don't, um, and I, like I said, the educational uh, ramifications of this are not supported in terms of um, that kids do better on testing, that they do better, that they retain information um, any better. And I think also, what about kids being kids? Um, we just got back from a vacation, ironically, in California, and I was thinking, wow, what, what is this? How novel is this? This is exactly like it was when I was growing up in Columbus, Ohio, I will say, uh, where they had recreational camps and so on, and kids were running around in colored T-shirts and doing all kinds of fun things in the area and activities and art projects and sports and so on and so forth, and those are all things opportunities for kids to learn and develop creative thinking and i'm i'm just concerned that we're taking that away i'm not for an extended summer really i'm i am for a unified um like a kickoff date rather where schools may not start before say the last uh monday in august we have uh we are no longer post labor day group we don't believe in that there's too much uh, of a variance and i agree with um I agree with what David has said in that, um, you know, you don't, uh, uh, that things are different now. We have a full spring break. Um, uh, now, when I was a kid, we didn't even have a spring break, and then we added one. Um, I agree with him that we need two weeks at Christmas. I think everybody likes that. But the two weeks in the fall and the two weeks in the spring, boy, you've got a uh, child care mi- nightmare for parents. Okay, okay, Becky, thanks uh, Thanks for uh, those perspectives. We're going to uh, have Terry Spradlin on, who's a researcher, and, and he can talk a little bit about any research he knows of and, and uh, address that issue. I uh, want to give our phone numbers again, 855-0811-877-285-9348. And you can join the website, the live chat, wfiu.org slash noon edition. In, in my many years now doing this show... I've learned that oftentimes the answer to the question lies in the money. So I'm wondering, uh, in whose best interest is it financially uh, to go to this system? Well, my answer to that would be we're we're obligated to have 180 student days. And uh, in the case of um, Bartholomew, I believe they got some kind of a grant, and they're going to do some type of a remediation program for boys and girls who are behind that second week of October during their fall break. We, we don't have that grant in, in, in Brown County, so that, again, wasn't a, as attractive 
uh, to us. If you do remedi- if you do additional remediation, if you have boys and girls in class beyond the 180 days, then that's going to increase the cost of education. You've got to pay for that in some manner or another. And uh, Becky's example of you know, teachers supplementing their income is, is absolutely a, a fairly common practice by, uh, by educators. Some of them would like to supplement their income, I think, by doing additional teaching. And the, and the question there becomes, you know, where does that money come from and, and, and uh, how do we exactly fund it? But I think the bottom line is... Uh, it's 180 days of school. I, I think her example was right. It, it, years ago, that was different. We, I think we, when I was in school, I want to say we were probably in school about 165 days or thereabouts. And we did not, as, uh, as Becky mentioned, we did not have a spring break. We had a couple of days off at, at Easter time. And uh, we had a week off between um, Christmas and, and, and New Year's, as I've said. So um, that's, there are some differences. And, and I appreciate the fact that uh, breaks in the middle of the school year present challenges both economically as well as uh, organizationally for parents who both work or for single-parent families. And the, so, David, you're saying it's actually going to cost the school system more. Is that right? I'm saying that if we have additional instruction that's built into balanced calendars or year-round schools, that's going to cost more. Yeah, and Becky, you said it's very expensive. So can you expand For on that? For everybody. Uh-huh. Well, it's expensive. Look at the utilities. Um, uh, Indianapolis Public Schools spent $103,000 more to cool their schools in August over May. And when I think of that money... $103,000 could provide over 41,000 hours of small group tutoring for struggling students. And we all know that small group tutoring helps students, but there's never been a study showing that starting school in early August helps students in any way. Uh, we also have research from um, Liberty Perry Community Schools paid 64% more to cool their schools in August, and uh, South Spencer County paid 60% more. Uh, you know, so I see it as a utility problem in terms of the schools. I mean, my goodness. I mean, okay, today we got a break, um, finally, yeah. in the weather. But honestly, amen. But honestly, um, uh, it's it's hot. It's hot in August. You get out in May, and everybody's looking at each other like, oh, what are we supposed to do now? And it's just like it's too early. It's too early for kids to maximize the summer activities that kids like to do, swimming, water activities, and so on. Becky, I got a question. How is it going to cost parents any more? I mean, you're going to have X number of weeks to provide child care. So what's the difference, you know, if it falls two weeks here and uh, four weeks there, or if it's, you know, eight weeks or 12 weeks during the summer, it ends up, doesn't, isn't that a wash? Well, okay, I'll give you an example on that. I think it's easier to get child care if you need the full-time child care in the summer because think of all the high school and college kids that are off mm-hmm. that can do that. An example, I, ironically out of my own home, um, my daughters uh, split a nanny job this summer. Mm-hmm. And why they did this uh, is the actually the... The parents, one's a doctor and one's a lawyer, ironically, but it was less expensive for them to hire our daughters than to have them in the regular preschool, child care, that kind of thing, and our daughters could do activities with them and so on and so forth. Um, I also think it's hard to find. I mean, can you, I have to say, I'm not sure about all this, but um can you even just get kids into a place for two weeks? And isn't that a little bit tough? I didn't think that, that you were able to do that, just well, pick up child care for two weeks. In the, I'm talking spring and fall. Right. I mean, you I would imagine saying? if this goes on for a long time, I would think that the providers would uh, come around and, and respond to the market. That, that makes sense. On the other hand, I think that your your stronger point might be that 
the college students who are often the providers of this kind of care are the ones who are going to be uh, on the regular calendar and pursuing, uh, you know, opportunities during the regular or traditional summer months to make money to pay for their expenses for the coming school year. And so I think that um, your options or a parent's options, rather, uh, for Finding child care are going to be um, different than we find them today. So we've got a call. Yeah, we're going to go, to, we're gonna go yeah. to a call. Let's go to uh, Sally on the phone. Sally? Hi. Um, Mary Catherine has really touched on something that I was interested in asking a question about and maybe making a comment about. Um, I know this is a really complex topic, and there's a lot of things to consider, but I think that, you know, I, I don't think that considering year-round school is a totally bad idea. And I say that as a working parent whose husband also works. Uh, we have two teenagers who uh, are not really interested in, they're not old enough to work, but they are old enough that I really feel like they need some kind of supervision for eight hours a day. And it's a lot easier for me to get them involved in things or find family members who will supervise them for shorter periods of time than to try to find something for 10 weeks that's productive for them. Now, that's just a personal thing, but I also think a lot of working families, single-parent families, could make arrangements, and I think the market would respond. The city of Bloomington already offers school break. The YMCA offers school break options for kids. Um, but I think one thing that we're not considering is that for long periods of time over the summer, if you're a doctor or a lawyer, you may be able to afford these wonderful summer programs for your kids. But if you're a working class parent, that's a real problem. So well, that's my comment. Yeah, and if right. there are, if there are, uh, I understand it's complicated and. But Sally, I mean, I'm going to ask you the same question I asked Becky, which is, what's the? Isn't it kind of a wash if it's two weeks here and three weeks there versus, you know, uh, the longer period of time of of the traditional summer? It it ends up being a a very similar, I think, you know, within a a week or two period of time. So, what? Where's the big saving? What's the difference? Well, I can just tell you my. I agree with that from my, my own personal perspective. Uh, my husband and I are really lucky. We have good jobs. So for us, it would be wonderful to have a uh, something where we could travel and spend time with our kids uh, through the school year where we're not tied into the, you know, only being able to go away at Christmas or Thanksgiving mm-hmm. or spring break when travel expenses are really, uh, you know, <laughs> pretty expensive. Um and I would, I think my relationship with my kids would be easier if I could say, well, I'm going to take my vacations more often for shorter periods of time through the year than to try to have to save everything up so that I'm, you know, having to use it all over the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's my own personal, you know, I'm really lucky. I have paid vacation time. It's very my job is flexible, but it, a lot of parents don't have that flexibility. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And right. so, I, I mean, for them to try to find affordable child care for 10 months in the summer, I know from my own, from my, I mean, I also have grown children who had children. So I know what a nightmare it is for them, and I'm filling in for all that summer, and I'm helping pay for summer camp that they can't afford. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's... You know, I, I think to assume that, oh, summer's great for all these families and the kids are going to have learning experiences, it just results in a lot of latchkey stuff for working parents. They have no choices. They don't have those resources. Sally, thanks a lot for your call. Okay. We're, we're, we're going to take a short break. Uh, let me give you our numbers again. 855-0811 in Bloomington, 877-285-9348. Outside of the Bloomington area, WFIU.org slash Noon Edition is our web address. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Terry Spradlin, who is the Associate Director for Education Policy at IU Center for Evaluation and Education Policy.
This is Noon Edition on WFIU. Production support comes from Smithville. Information at smithville.net. You can take WFIU with you by downloading podcasts directly to your PC, Mac, or MP3 player. Programs such as Noon Edition, Ask the Mayor, and Harmonia, and short features like Kinsey Confidential, the Ether Game Musical Mini Quiz, and Play and Opera Reviews are all available on demand. Pick them up at WFIU.org. And have you heard WFIU's news features? The WFIU News Team brings you expanded and in-depth reports on topics affecting South Central Indiana. Catch the Friday feature just after 8.30 during Morning Edition, just before Noon Edition, and at 5.45 during All Things Considered. They're also archived on our website, WFIU.org. Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Salzberg, editor of the Herald Times, along with co-host Mary Catherine Carmichael. And we have uh, three guests today with us talking about the balanced school calendar and the movement toward a more balanced school calendar at at many Indiana school districts. David Schaefer, the Brown County School Superintendent, is here. Brown County has gone to a a hybrid kind of balanced school calendar, but they're already back in school. Uh, Becky Bechtel is with us by phone. She's the leader of a statewide group called Save Indiana Summers that is lobbying against the shift towards year-round or balanced school calendars. And joining us now is Terry Spradlin, a researcher at the IU Center for Evaluation and Education Policy. And uh, he will be talking uh, real real soon about the research that goes behind this. If you want to join us, 855-0811-877-285-9348. Join the live chat at wfiu.org slash noon edition and follow us on Twitter. Yeah. Millions of people. At noon edition. Oh, yeah. Sorry to interrupt. Millions of people have gone through school with the traditional long summer, you know, you used to, we've been saying it used to be even longer. And, you know, I remember, and most all of us do remember, the first week or two of school being review. you know, oh, yeah, okay, getting us caught up again, and then off we go. Um, but you're saying, no, it's harder than that. It's a bigger issue than that. Is that right? Well, good to be with you. Thanks for having me on the show, uh, right in the middle of We're things. jumping right in. Let's get at it. Well, so a question is, what does the research say? And we've looked at it. Uh, we issued a policy brief on it back in 2007. So at least for the last five, six years, we've been looking at it from an academic standpoint at our center. But I have some personal experience with this, too. My two children attended elementary school on the northwest side of Indianapolis in a year-round school. So I have both perspectives, the research perspective and the parent perspective from having that experience. But let's talk about the research real quick. Um, There is really no definitive research that um, substantiates the benefit, but also there's no definitive research that says this is detrimental. What the research does typically say is that there are certain students that will benefit, and those are the students that are high poverty, uh, low-income students, that they do, it's documented uh, in the research, that there is summer learning loss, at least about a month of instructional um, activities that during the course of the school year that they lose during the, the summer uh, with that extended summer period of 10 to 12 weeks. Typically, most schools, uh, school districts schedule that length of time uh, for summer vacation. And so in the core subjects, math and language arts, um, that month is critical. So when the students come back, um, they are behind. And so this is an opportunity to shorten the summer, uh, typically about seven weeks with a year-round calendar, and just disperse those 180 days differently. So we're not talking about more time. We're not talking about more days or more time during the school year. It's exactly 180 days. Mm -hmm. It's how we allocate those days uh, during the calendar year. And so a lot of districts are now talking about it here in Indiana. And, and so the research isn't the reason that all of a sudden there's this there's high level of interest. Um, there are other things happening. And really, you know, the question is, why do we have that traditional calendar still? And that dates back, you know, over 150 years since we've it's been kind of on this. culture, sure. Yeah, you know, uh, in the 19th century, you know, the 1800s, we actually had uh, many urban schools going 11 months of the year. And we had some uh, rural communities just going six months of the year. So we did try to um, standardize our educational system through public education. And we came up with this, what we now have, uh, the traditional calendar, where we go nine months on, three months off. 
more or less. And so there's really no good rhyme or reason for that anymore as our society has changed, the workplace has changed, um, and we can do education differently. So school districts should have the authority, and they do here in Indiana, to decide uh, when to start the school year and when to end it. The law only requires that school districts, um, the school year starts July 1 and must end by June 30th. So within that 12-month period, school districts decide when to start and when to end. And so, um, you know, again, the research isn't compelling, but because of that, we have to look at the qualitative side. And so um, if it makes a difference for some kids, um, but it probably won't make a difference for a lot of kids academically, then why would we do it? And that really gets to the qualitative side of things. And anecdotally, I've talked to superintendents over the last few days about this issue because I'm curious, too, of why all of a sudden this high level of interest in central Indiana about moving to a balanced calendar. And my uh, community, I live in Johnson County. My children attend Center Grove High School now. Uh, we're moving to the calendar also, a balanced calendar in 2013-14. And so I talked to our superintendent this morning. Uh, part of it is that, uh, uh, you know, some of our large urban districts in Marion County, Indianapolis, have used it for a while. And Warren Township was one of our leaders, our pioneers, using a balanced calendar. They have a high percentage of low-income students. It's an urban district. They've had success with it. And the superintendent there says that teachers have better attendance and they come back because of these uh, more frequent breaks between uh, grading periods. They come back refreshed, engaged, excited about teaching, and that therefore helps students with attendance as well because students also have those same breaks, come back refreshed. And because of a, you know improvement in attendance, that does help academically, does it not? Um, we've done another study uh, um, separate from this about chronic absenteeism. So if, we know if kids are there, they're engaged in the learning process, it's going to help. So again, at best, this is going to do no harm, and for many kids it may help. And if teachers are more excited and, and refreshed to be in the classroom, uh, I think there are some benefits that we'll see that we won't necessarily see in test scores per se, but just the, the school culture and climate will improve. And, you know, a lot of the surveys um, that we've seen, parent satisfaction, student satisfaction, and teacher satisfaction is very high. Um, so those are some of the reasons we would consider, and school districts and superintendents certainly are considering moving to a balanced calendar. You know, uh, you say it would certainly do no harm, but I think you'd have to agree that there certainly are opportunity costs involved in moving to this kind of a calendar um, for folks who um, would be able to pursue perhaps some kind of educational enrichment that takes longer than a week and a half with travel time uh, to do. So I think that's something that ought to be part of the discussion. I, I do think that, again, you know, something is left behind when you shorten that summer break. But um, what I really wanted to ask was when I was growing up, we had um, summer school. And I never hear about anybody going to summer school anymore. Um, we have so much data on all of our students. It's amazing. You know, some, we have so many tests, and I get printouts and, and, you know, scads of information. I have a student in MCCSC. And so I would think that it would be possible to identify folks who are in need of that extra boost, that extra help, um, and go back to the old summer school system while still maintaining the traditional school break. And I'm just wondering if that's been part of the discussion at all, as far as any of you folks are aware. Well, you know, the issue about summer school, there used to be opportunity for enrichment and remediation. Mm -hmm. um, I went to summer school me for too. enrichment opportunities. Yeah. yeah, me too. You know, parents wanted me out of the house for half the day. I wanted me out of summer. the house for half the day. <laughs> but uh, Absolutely. Uh, but really, today, um, summer school is just really used for remediation, and, and, and there's not a high levels of students going to summer school. Um, the opportunity here with a balanced calendar is that uh, with those two weeks off, uh, in Pike Township, with my experience when my kids were in elementary school, we actually had three weeks off uh, in some instances, and a week or two of that would be used for remediation for students who need it. So the benefit there is rather than wait until the end of the school year when students have been behind most of the school year academically and struggling, and then all of a sudden we're going to try to catch them up in a summer school period, why wait for that opportunity to intervene and provide intervention and remediation when the student needs it? So why not do that after the first nine weeks of the school year? When you have two weeks off, why not take a week 
for um, mandatory attendance for remediation for those students who need it the most. And so if you can do that throughout the school year, it's essentially summer school, but it's more timely for when the student needs it, when they're behind early in the school year, to try to help them catch up. Mm -hmm. If, If they would go. If they would go and if the teachers are available uh, during those breaks to do that, that's mm. the problem I have with that. I don't think that's a guarantee. And if, if this is such a great idea, I'd like to know why the entire nation isn't going to the balanced calendar, because they're not. If anything, more and more states are going to things like the last Monday in August, as a, uh, we're not saying that everyone has to start on that date, but that no schools may start before that date. The other problem you've got with, uh, say, a two-week fall break, when do, uh, this is just one petty example, but football players, soccer, volleyball, all that, those kids basically are getting no break. I mean, they're now no longer going to get right. any break because they just keep right on. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Well, let me give our phone numbers again. That's another a good point, Becky. Uh, phone numbers eight five five zero eight one one in Bloomington eight seven seven two eight five nine three four eight wfiu.org slash noon edition is the uh, web address. Follow us at noon edition on Twitter. Um, you know, another aspect of this, and I, I guess I'm pursuing something I mentioned earlier, but is the economics of this situation. And I think there are have got to be a lot of people affected by uh, the possibility of a, a very shortened uh, summer break. I, I, Becky, is, is Indiana Summers, Save Indiana Summers, somehow uh, affiliated with Holiday World? Um, not, well, I mean, when you say affiliated, what do you mean? I are they supportive of Save Indiana Summers? Absolutely. Okay. So I yes, would imagine, and that makes sense to me. I am me. not paid. I Truly, I am a state I didn't mean to imply that. I, right, I didn't right. mean yeah, to imply that at all. That. And that's not where I'm headed at all. No, no. What I'm, but, but what I'm trying to get at is I would imagine there, there would be um, Holiday World and, and many, many businesses like that whose uh, economic livelihood really depends on a, a prolonged summer where people have a chance um, to uh, get out and take advantage of their facilities. And I wonder if your group has done any research or has any numbers um, to share with us about the impact on our economy. We are in the process of gathering updated economic impact numbers. I know that the uh, tourism numbers in Indiana, I mean, businesses that are seasonal, like Holiday World, quite frankly, they get killed. As a matter of fact, in the interest of self-disclosure, I was at Holiday World. Um, on, I was chaperoning a senior, um, honestly, it was seniors going to Holiday World in July. And I talked to Pat Cook. There's a special place in heaven for you. <laughs> I love that lady. She she uh, was there, as she always is. She's cleaning a restroom mm-hmm. or working. Honestly, I've never seen a harder worker in my life. But uh, I was talking to her because we had the kids, we had their picture taken with her right there by the Santa. As you go in, and, and Pat and I were talking about this, and she said, it's a nightmare for them. I mean, think about it. This balanced calendar. Yes, it's hard on them. They don't have the numbers. They lose business. Uh, they have high school kids that ne- then have to go back, uh, so they lose employees. There was something she mentioned about Illinois. I was, I'm not sure what she said about them, but she said it's a, a tremendous problem for them. And quite frankly, Holiday World is a wonderful asset to the state of Indiana. Talk about a beautiful park. And I say that as a former buck. well, I am a Buckeye originally, but I say that as someone who grew up in the state with Cedar Point and Kings Island. I'm telling you right now, I would go much rather take a trip to Holiday World than either of those two places. It's a beautiful park. It's family-run, clean. Um, it's, it's a show place. We should be showing that place off in Indiana. And how about our state fair? How about the fact that you can go to the state fair now and roll a bowling ball down the midway because no one is there? And then don't even get me started about the uh, 4-H kids and what a problem it puts on them. They have to now show their animals on the weekends. Uh, it's it's really awful. Uh, uh, 
Now, yeah, anyway, sorry. No, I can no, go no. on and you, on about this. As you can imagine, I, I am a little passionate. Well, I was just going to say, we had a show about the State Fair last week, and we know Sherry Daniels is there. She's there every day during the State Fair, so. Yeah. There's somebody yeah. there. All right. No, I'm glad she was there. Right. <laughs> let's go. We have uh, two callers we want to get to uh, quickly. Diane from Bloomington is on the line. Diane? Hi. Um, I, I was, you're kind of talking about this now, but the, the impact on the economics. And for people in our community who, who don't have children in school, and my example is, um, for instance, Mills Pool is closing this weekend. That's mm-hmm. crazy to close a neighborhood pool in the middle of August. And Brian Poole starts opening at 3 during the week when school starts. So what's going to happen to that if we go to this year-round? Are we just not going to be able to use these neighborhood facilities um, just on a very limited basis? Mm-hmm. The reason they close Mills Pool is because they start losing staff. They start losing their college kids, and well, so they don't what, have enough staff. That's what Brian Poole says, but, and they yeah. also have high school kids. So uh, am I not going to be able to go swim laps until 3 in the afternoon yep. for most of the summer? Yep. Well, that stinks. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, good point. Thank you, Diane. Well, yeah. Appreciate okay. it. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. And let's go next to Jeanette. Jeanette? Hi. Can you hear me? Yep. Okay. Well, I've been listening, and what disturbs me about the people calling in, I mean, I'm not them, but their ideas, is that they are forgetting, for instance, I live in Vigo County, and we have a very high rate of poverty in kids who don't have the opportunity to swim laps or go to Holiday World or go to the state fair. And I think that these kids are the ones at risk, and our society maybe needs to decide you know, universal education is a great leveler, but it's not if they, this, you know, the general population of the voters and the, the more well-educated and the people that benefit from going, you know, their summers off, going to Europe, going to Florida, the, the teachers, I'm thinking, um, we need to focus on truly the children. If the kids, quote-unquote, come first, let's have this more balanced calendar where the kids particularly living in poverty or living in a single-parent household um, can continue to have every day something a little stable and not focus on the, you know, the 1%, 2%. I mean, that's however many, 25% of the kids and parents and families that have all the enrichment they need. There is enrichment that is free. In the summer. I, I'm telling you, I was part of uh, helping with something at Butler University last summer, and these were disadvantaged kids. And there are people, there are college kids that available to do those programs and to help run camps and that. What's going to happen to the camp industry? What industry? The camp. 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 Oh, summer camp. Please, please. I mean, there can be exceptions, but... What's going to happen to all the kids? And you say they're free programs, yeah. For the kids whose parent or parents are able to get them there, know about it. Uh, I, you know, having been in social work, I know these homes do not have access to uh, transportation. So that's a, you know, I'm just thinking of the overall broad American dream that everybody can sort of have a uh, an education that is universal and year-round and, um, you know, the little things that somebody can't, you know, swim laps, really, no. I think in the scheme of things, we have to balance what our priorities are. All right, Jeanette. Thank thanks, you. Thanks for calling okay. us from Bye-bye. the Terre Haute area. We, we appreciate it. Okay, we've got 10 more minutes to go. I'm going to give the phone numbers one <laughs> more time, 855-0811 in Bloomington. 877-285-9348 outside of the Bloomington calling area and WFIU.org slash Noon Edition. We have several comments. I want to get David and Terry back on. I got want to get their reaction to some things we've heard, but let's go to Mary Catherine. All right. Here's a comment that uh, came to me. As a teacher and former student, I think there are some advantages to the balanced calendar. However, I don't think anyone should expect that major projects will be done over the breaks. Often, our winter break wasn't at the end of the semester, so we'd spend a large portion of the break doing massive projects before returning in January to finals. In my college days, when I was maybe more of an advocate for a balanced calendar, I used to say, school shouldn't be so bad that you need two and a half months away from it. I think schools with balanced calendars need to be very reflective about how staff and students spend time while at school and and attentive only to calling something a break if it actually is a break. 
Anybody want to comment on that? I can move on. Okay. Okay. Here's one uh, that another one that came in. It says a working uh, parent with younger children has access to a variety of camps in the summer. Everything from academic enrichment and remediation to sports and themed camps. During the school months, these camps are not available. Parents may struggle to find child care for their children. Um, and then another one. High school students may need the extra weeks in the summer for jobs. Plenty of them are working so they can help with college costs. Reducing the time they have for full-day employment would make it more difficult for them. I'd have to second that one. Okay. I want to turn back to David Schaefer, the Brown County School Superintendent, and ask about, uh, you know, you've got boots on the ground, as they say. Um, what is, has been the reaction uh, leading up to this and in this first few days of the students, faculty, staff, parents? What, you know, what, what, what's sort of the, the mood over there in Brown County? I think, as in many other years, by the time we get to a point where boys and girls have been off school for seven, eight weeks, in our case this summer, nine weeks, they're ready to come back to school. Let's remember that we're talking about a finite number of school days. We're talking about 180 days. We're talking about some, some specific givens. There's going to be a Christmas break. There's going to be a spring break, likely. And so... Somewhere we've got to fit in uh, on the calendar when we start and when we end. I believe very strongly, and it's my personal opinion, but I think others will agree, not everyone, that philosophically it is the decision and that the local school board should best have the authority to make that decision on what works best in a given community. In Brown County, it's very important to us to have snow days built into the school year. We, we think that is absolutely crucial to us. Somewhere else, that may not be as important. If the General Assembly is going to take that authority away from the local school districts and mandate that we start the fourth Monday of August or mandate that we start after Labor Day or whatever. I think that's, I think that's not good government. I think, I think the best government lies in giving as much authority to the local uh, governance as is possible. Mm-hmm. And as Becky, Becky mentioned, that, that they uh, no longer support that kind of uh, a bill, right? No. Yeah. No, and I, you know what, David, I want to clear up a misconception because it really is running rampant. We are all about local control. I, I truly mean that with my heart. We, what, what we are for is that like a uniform, almost in sort of a better term, uh, kickoff day. Rather, you may not start before a certain day. And in my opinion, that's why some of these school districts have gone to the balanced calendar to avoid that. Uh, you know, mandate if that would ever come. Um, and we're not saying you have to start on September, or I mean, sorry, August 24th or whatever. We're saying we're trying to give some kind of parameters. You still feel free to set your own calendar. Absolutely. Build in your own breaks, end when you want, have the Christmas break when you want. But the reason that we're for a unified school start, period, think of all the things that need to line up. Mm-hmm. Uh, brain game, uh, football, uh, soccer, uh, there, there's all kinds of things. Testing, it kind of puts everybody on the same page, so to speak. It just makes sense. And the lady that called in, and I, I mean, it, Sally, what, you know, I appreciate her comments in that, but, you know, it's not the school's responsibility to raise children. And what, since when are we expecting that? I mean, when she talks about year-round school, it is not year-round school. As David has uh, said beautifully, it's 180 days. It's the same 180 days. If we want to make our schools better, then let's increase and up our standards here in Indiana and make them the best in the nation, which some of them are already, but I think we can continue to tweak that. Okay. We've had a couple comments that have come in online. Uh, One of them is, I'm not sure if this has already been stated, but my wife is a teacher for MCCSC, and our kids got to Richland. Our kids go to Richland Bean Blossom. We have a seven workday difference that I am forced to take a vacation from work. It is an issue for two working parents. Here's another one. The Brown County schedule does not seem as dramatic as some other districts around the state. My kids went back. 
went back yesterday, and we are not on a balanced calendar. I worked as a teacher in a district that is now using a balanced calendar. I live in a district where the parents did not support it, so they have remained on a traditional calendar. Districts should be able to make that decision. If there are choices, then parents will have the benefit of choosing what is best for them. Um, Terry Spradlin has been uh, here with us the, the second half hour. You talked about the research before. Uh, I think I would like to think most people would agree that, that whatever the calendar is, if there's any proof that it's better for kids, I mean, this ought to all be, a, all be about the kids and the, their education and the quality of their education. Um, do you foresee any additional research being done to try to determine you know, whether there's one calendar or another. And, you know, what should we be looking at going forward? Sure. And David's going to have to evaluate whether this calendar is better for his district or not. Or what about within a school system? One school, one school is a balanced calendar and another school is, is a more traditional. We've had that. Yeah, certainly. Within school districts, they've had uh, a blend where both are available. And, again, my example with Pike Township on the northwest side of Indianapolis, three elementaries were on the year-round calendar. Five were on a traditional calendar. So that did give parents choices. And that's why I think we liked it so much. Is it's because what we chose. And we did find that we could travel at lower expense. And we gave the tourism in- industry a lot of business during a period where they didn't normally have business. So the, the tourism thing is certainly an issue. And in those communities, where they rely on uh, high school students for the workforce, those school districts can choose to go later, and they are. So that's a that's certainly a concern. We want to grow jobs here in Indiana and support our tourism industry. But I think locally those issues can be addressed, so it's, that's not a major concern. So um, there's you know there's a lot at stake here, but um, school districts who are doing this should document. You know, what are the differences? You know, are we seeing gains? And again, in the case of Warren Township on the east side of Indianapolis, she felt, the superintendent, Peggy Hinckley, that the evidence was so clear for them. And then she shared with her colleagues, and then we had two or three districts in Indianapolis do it. And once a few do it, they do want to be on the same calendar within a county because they're being serviced by a co-op for special education, an education service center, uh, career and technical education centers. And if every district's on a different calendar, those uh, services cannot be well coordinated. So in Marion County now, we have most school districts moving to the balanced calendar. In my home community, Johnson County, we have four of the five now moving to a balanced calendar. So it happens kind of in a flood within a community. If one's doing it, then a lot of the other districts consider it. Okay, we are out of time. This is a topic that uh, a lot of people have a a big interest in and a lot of opinions about. And I want to thank all of our callers. Thank Becky for being here on the phone. Becky Bechtel from uh, the Save Indiana Summers Group. Terry Spradlin, thanks for joining us for the second half, Terry. David Schaefer, thanks for coming back, David. We always appreciate having you here. For Mary Catherine Carmichael, producers Gretchen Frazee and Julie Raw, and engineer Mike Pashkash, I'm Bob Zaltzberg. Thanks for listening. Noon Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times. A podcast of this and other WFIU programs is available at WFIU.org. Production support comes from Smithville, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922 with residential and business internet, voice, and security services. Smithville, local pride, global technology. Information at smithville.net.